Hi, I'm John. And I'm Cecilia. Welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. Hey, Crazy Cats. How are you today? Thank you for joining us again. One of the conversations I've had recently with some of my fellow paranormal investigators is about the definition of the word paranormal. To me, it is not just, you know, creepy, crawly, ghosts, disembodied voices, dorbs, which is what we call dust orbs. It's anything out of the normal, because that's really what the definition is, is anything outside the normal. And along those lines, we have an incredible author on today. Definitely out of the normal, wouldn't you say, John? Oh, yes. We're going to throw the word quirky out there to describe his books and his characters. Refreshingly out of the normal, I would say. Refreshingly out of the normal. <laughs> maybe maybe a little, little lopsided outside the normal. Absolutely outstanding reads. We're going to have links for all of it at the end of the show. But I want to give a big, huge welcome to author Brian Harmon and his wife, Gwen. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. There are so many questions swirling around my head. (laughs) But I want to start with the most obvious one. Where the heck did you come up with this whole other world that you have in your books? Well, I I think I've always just been a daydreamer. I always liked coming up with stories. I always liked just making up my own world, and at some point I started writing it down, and and this is where it's gotten me. So you have 19 books out? Yeah, 18 books and a short story collection. Yeah, and I've read all of them, and they they boggle the mind. They draw you in. They boggle the mind. What what came first, though? Because I think we kind of fell into you partway through your journey here. So what came first? Which series? I think the short stories were first. Uh, they I they were part of some of my early stuff, and the the ones that are in the, the collection sort of kept. And then from there, I went. I wrote the Temple of the Blind series. And do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that series? My favorite, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. Santa brought you some autographed <laughs> copies of that. Yes. The Temple of the Blind. I, I think the easiest way I can describe it is is I came up with a very simple idea for what what I thought at the time was going to be a short story, uh, just the idea of a of a character just receiving this mysterious box, not knowing where it came from. It's covered with in um you know cryptic messages and puzzles, and, and the guy he's just a puzzle solver. He likes puzzles, he likes mysteries, so he starts unraveling it. And uh, I think the best way I can describe it is, is as it goes on, it just keeps getting bigger. It starts with just him in a box, and then there's you add in it's just Albert and a box, and then you have just Brandy and the key. So then it's Albert and Brandy and the key and the map that they find, and and they go underground following this map, and the world just gets bigger. And book two comes along, and now there's four characters, and it's an even bigger world, and it just keeps getting bigger. And that's the best way I can describe with how it went, because it obviously was not a short story when I was done with it. It was no. six books. Yeah. <laughs> They are incredibly detailed to the point that... Yeah, that's that, what I was going to say. Yeah, but not detailed like, oh my God, this goes on for pages. It's detailed like, wow, I can really see what the author is trying to, to show oh, me. Oh, yeah. When you're writing, do you visualize what you're writing about? Or, I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you get that? <laughs> that? That's just pure talent right there. Well, thank you. Um, I don't know, I just... Like I said, it's in my head. I see how it should look. I see how it should feel and how it should sound. And I just 
I just do my best with it. That's to me, that's sometimes the hardest part. Like, do I, you know, am I getting too much information in here? And is it just enough information? I seem to be doing something right because people tell me they like it. So I, I think I'm doing all right, but I couldn't exactly tell you if there's a exact formula that works or what. I just, just try my best. So after that came rushed? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I wrote, I, I started writing the Temple of the Blind is probably is I think it's about twenty years ago, wow. and then it, I finished it and it just sat and collected dust for ten years. Oh, and it was actually Gwen who I was about to give up, and Gwen said, "Well, why don't you just look into building a website and then like start putting some of your stuff online and just find some readers and see where it goes?" And it was during that process that I found Smashword and this. I could independently publish. So that's what I did. And that was, so the books had sat around for about 10 years and then I published them and it was during the process of publishing them that I, I started writing something new and that was the first rush book. Again, it was supposed to be a standalone book and which it wasn't, but uh, it, it, it was a NaNoWriMo project. I just, I, I discovered NaNoWriMo, uh, National Novel Writing Month. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I wrote the pair. And it actually was published in the process. I think between the fifth and sixth books actually mm-hmm. publishing, I put it out. But it was like ten years newer than the others. And at the end of the, at the end of the rushed book, I finished that book, going, "I can't leave this like this." He just got interesting, <laughs> you know. He's got the little girl <laughs> in his phone. He's got, you know, he's just discovered something that must mean something more. And and there's got to be more to it. And there definitely was. He's. He's had a lot, a lot more. Yeah, oh, yeah, and he takes it all in stride. Are you Are you like Eric and Gwen? Are you Karen? I mean, <laughs> I think Karen is much cooler than I, by not, far. She, she's very laid back, I'll tell you what. Ah, disembodied voice in your phone? Okay, we're good. Strange creatures? <laughs> nah, not a problem. Witches on our doorstep? Okay, sure, why not? Super hot stripper witch. Sure, she can stay with us for a while. Not a problem. Yes. All the while making cupcakes, right? Yeah. When I first started writing Rushed, Karen was a different person. I thought, you know, she's going to be out of her mind. She's going to be worried. Going to be telling him, get your butt home every few seconds. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, I, I hate this character. She's such a nag. <laughs> and I told this first draft to Gwen, and she said, yes, I hate her. She's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is why she is what she is now. And it, in my head, she's very, I mention all the time that she had, you know, some issues growing up, and she's very reserved, and she doesn't like to show her emotions, and, and that's what I go with. You know, it doesn't matter how scared she gets, I'm going to keep it together. You know, I'm going to keep it together, damn it. That's what I'm going to do. That's that's what I picture her. And and so, it, it in my head, at least, it may, she may be the character who can just let it all go, you know, probably screaming inside the whole time, but, you know, that that's the character she is. So. She's she's actually, she's really cool, and she's his rock. I mean, I think more than anything else. I know he's got his kitty cat, his mystery cat, and he's got Isabel, and he's got his, his weirdo brother. My, <laughs> my brother's name is Paul also, and <laughs> there's some similarities between them. Yeah, but she's she's just like but basically she, just resigned herself to well, I guess this is our life, <laughs> part of our life. But you know what? I don't I don't think she's really 
done that. I think she's, I'm going to support my husband and we're going to keep moving forward. <laughs> and if, if I have to use rubber cement, we're going to keep this all together kind of, kind of thing. Uh, I, I love this series. We're, we're at book nine now and every book is, yeah. is great because it's not the same cookie cutter story. Like a lot of authors will write a series and it's the, really the same story over and over and over again. Just it's the same outline with the details, yeah, changed, just slightly changed. Yeah, but you don't do that. No, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like formulas. <laughs> no, I don't blame you because the books get predictable, right? After book three, you already know. Yeah, they're going to run into some kind of problem right here, and then right here, there's going to be, you know, a saving grace come out of somewhere, and. But yours doesn't. Right, your books don't the always do that. The adversaries introduced, the turning yeah. point. The, yeah. So, readers, if you're looking for something that's going to keep you guessing, keep you on the edge of your seat, and something different for each book, you definitely want to grab the Rushed series. And I will have links to it in the show notes at the end of the show. What I was starting to say earlier that I found interesting is you mentioned Nano. Yes. That you wrote this book through the Nano process. And I'm a big fan of Nano, but I have not finished. I've got two books that I started through Nano. I have not finished either one of them. I don't. I don't have that kind of courage. I am like you get to the deadline thing, and you make the deadline, and you breathe that sigh of relief, and there they sit. Yeah, there they sit. Um, and it's usually, it's usually, I leave them in some kind of horrible turmoil, uh, life or death situation, and then it's like, yeah, I'll get back to you, and then I don't. And I've got one. It's a year later, and they've got the bad guys breaking down the door and this one from November where uh, <laughs> they're, they're in a museum being tortured by bad spirits, evil spirits. And um, it's like, ah, I'll come back. I'll come save you later. Sorry, sometimes getting them out of trouble is, is the hardest part. Like sometimes, I, sometimes you get them into trouble so good. You have trouble getting them back out. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Um, that, I think that was kind of the, the first one that I did last year kind of really was real easy to get them into that situation. It's not real easy to get them back. I know where they need to go. I just haven't figured out how to get them there. But the second one's just lazy. I'm just being lazy. <laughs> do you do you find the structure of Nano helps you concentrate? Um, to an extent, yeah. When I first did it, I had I just thought, well, I like this. I want to take this challenge. And I wrote, I think I did it for two or three years with some of the books. Um, but after after a while, it just didn't align with me very well. I mean, I was already, you know, two thirds of the way through a book come November. And, and so I just sort of stopped doing it, but I think I'm I'm always working on something. So, so I don't really use the nano, but, but I, it was a good experience. And if anybody's trying to start, I really think that's a great way to start just with nano. Especially if you have a competitive nature. Yeah. Because that that deadline and that 50,000 words by November 30th, (laughs) Um, you're gonna you're gonna bend time to try and make it if you're competitive, and I find that that's really good for discipline. Yes, if I remember right, I I doubled that word count and with that first book, and and was determined to to do it in half that time, and and I I came pretty close to that. I didn't wow. <laughs> it wasn't quite half, time, but but I think I might have done it in around twenty twenty or twenty one days, something like that. Wow, so, that's show great. off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're such a show off. I, I struggle to get my, my fifty one thousand words in this last time. It was a struggle. But so and that brings up an, another point. For me it was a struggle because, you know, work and life 
and finding that time to carve out. You've got three youngsters at home, and I can't even imagine how you find time. Do you have like a routine that you follow? Do you lock them in the bathroom? I mean, how do you? <laughs> Not a bad idea, but you know, they're, they're don't give them ideas. <laughs> I mean, the older two are teenagers now, and they're they, they're actually really helpful, and and they can kind of do their own thing. And actually, a lot of times, I just kind of like, even when they were little, I would just kind of park myself in a in a central location where I keep an eye on them, and I just did my thing, and and it was, they 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 did pretty good for me. So it wasn't too bad, but. Those days when they were all in school, now those were much more productive days. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Has has this last year uh, of being in quarantine and everything really affected your ability to write? I didn't think so because you got a new book out, but... Yeah, it slowed things down a lot. Um, The big kids actually were doing okay, but my other one was in kindergarten, and and I I had to be more alert, and and I I was really getting... It seemed like he had more homework than I did in college. I couldn't. It was crazy. I was always helping him with his assignments and <laughs> all that. It was just. It was just hard. Yeah. Th- nowadays, it's crazy. Yeah. When I was in kindergarten, I think my homework was find something the color green. <laughs> yeah. And now something it looks like, like algebra. That, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Take these two popsicle sticks home, and when you come back tomorrow, have them tied together with yarn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's your homework. Now it's here's a 700 page textbook. Yeah. And a whiteboard. Figure out string theory for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. They had. They're, I mean, not just learning to read and write, but they've got them right. I mean, she's like, okay, we're going to write a how to book, and you're going to tell us how to do Like, really? Wow. Like, already he's writing books? I, I have to wait until. <laughs> Wait a minute, this isn't fair. Really? What happened to my early education? Well, following Dad's footsteps. So, Brian, I have to admit something that I'm not generally proud of, but I've fallen behind on uh, Cecilia's up to date on all your releases. I am not. I kind of got lazy and let life get in the way and let my glasses prescription get way out of date. And I, I really enjoy reading for pleasure, but it got to the point that it wasn't pleasurable to read. It was a real strain because my prescription was not right. <laughs> and so I kind of, yeah. last couple of years, gave up uh, reading for pleasure. So I'm really looking forward to, uh, and I think having you on as a guest is going to rekindle my love for reading for pleasure because I have some catching up to do, and I really look forward to doing that. Dude, I just need you to read Evancourt so we can talk about it. <laughs> She's been very good. <laughs> She's been very good. It's that it's, ending. It's eating, that ending killed me. I need to talk inside. to somebody about it. <laughs> I was very proud of Evan Kurt. Yeah, that was that, that was fun to write, and everyone so far, I've had great responses to it. Yeah, but the implications at the end, it it just it. I got nobody to talk to about it. <laughs> well, I, I've got to catch up. <laughs> you do, you do, because it's 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 a mind bender. I look forward to it. Did you do that on purpose to make it? I can't even. I can't even ask him because we can't blow the ending. For no, don't do that. Else. <laughs> How dare you write an ending that I want to talk about and I can't. Can't do that, not just for me, but for anyone else who hasn't read it. I know, I know, I know. We had an author on uh, a little while back, and I think I blew the ending on one of her books by doing that. Yeah, don't do that. I was like, all right, I won't do that. I won't. Readers, if you read none of the other books, read Evercourt because 
the ending is, it just, it makes you think. How about that? Can I say that? I think you can say that safely, yeah. <laughs> They're laughing at me. <laughs> I hear giggling. Gwen, are you giggling at me? Giggling. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about all of this, Gwen? Um, I think it's great that he's able to do something that he loves so much and that he's he really puts so much work into, and it's great that he can have, like, an audience of people who really support him, and he's got the greatest fans out there, and they're all so kind. So it's great. And listeners, if you go and stalk their Facebook page, every Wednesday we get Gwensday. <laughs> where Gwen takes over the page and she she's a, a trip and a half so I highly recommend going and checking out the Facebook page and again we will have that in the show notes so you have a direct link now Hands of the Architect where does that fall in in timeline? Well Hands of the Architect actually literally picks up where the Temple of the Blind leaves off but when you wrote them didn't you, did you have the Rush books out already? Yeah because we, we stopped and read all the Rush books, and then I saw that, and I'm like, hey, i got to read these, too. And it kind of ties all three series together, in a way. It does. Yeah, it's kind of one of the things I wanted to do when I started writing that was, was show the other two series. They're all, they all share the same universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, there's some crossover that goes on a little bit, and it's, it's, really, it's really interesting. Do you have, like, a giant board in your house that has all your characters listed on it with strings going well this one's going here and this one's doing that how do you keep everything straight i keep a lot of files in my on my computer actually i have something very similar to that in a uh, excel document and i have a timeline running timeline that keeps track of people's birthdays and anniversaries and major events and all that i I try to keep a close eye on all those because they all do fit together in in a in one distinct timeline. Yeah, uh, and then that was I was talking to John about that earlier today, and how you you've got all these characters and they all have personality and they all have depth, and but they're scattered among you know those eighteen books, and it's like how do you keep track of that? I can't keep track of that. I I just read and reread all these books a hundred times and I still can't keep track of everybody <laughs> and who goes where. So as an author, I couldn't imagine how you did that. And I, we've had authors on are like, ah, we just wing it. I was like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> well, and they've also admitted that they've had readers, not just proofreaders, but even th- after the proofreading process and it's published, they've had readers point out point out hey uh this is a major inconsistency right here and they're like oops <laughs> yeah, but, but throughout the 18 books you don't see any major inconsistencies no. here that's why i'm asking yeah i i'm i'm kind of hung up on the idea of having these inconsistencies and i try really hard that's where i started record, giving everybody birthdays and recording it that way i know that in this book you know these two characters are these ages and then all of a sudden later like if you do the math well all of a sudden this one's the older character now like i try real hard not to let any of that sort of thing happen right i keep i keep a lot of i don't know i have tons of notes on my computer <laughs> and post-it notes everywhere i uh, just uh, post it a whole the whole wall behind my desk i can see covered it in <laughs> i can just envision it see that would be me with the post-its <laughs> the cats don't pull your post-its off the wall no I haven't had that problem yet. <laughs> Got to watch out for the uh, the heater drying out the adhesive, and then they drop off and disappear <laughs> behind the, the furniture. 
<laughs> so what's coming up next for Eric and Karen? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I just uh, I, I finished Evan Kurt or Evan uh, Relic. Relic. Actually, the last one was I finished Relic, and I kind of I struggled with that one. I got through, actually went through like three rewrites before I was done with it. It went way longer than it should have, and then I put it out there and. Uh, people keep telling me, you know, it was good. They liked it. But I keep my char- new characters that I added were not as popular at all. So <laughs> I keep having, we even posted last Wednesday, you were, talked about what did, what did we all think about the new characters in Relic? Because I've had a lot of people say they didn't like them. And it, it's a very strong, we don't really like them. <laughs> you, you're you, you're so all talking was, about Paul's daughter, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul's daughter. And uh, Paul's drinking buddies, yeah. Well, drinking buddies are drinking buddies. You can't do much about those. I didn't dislike her. Allie. Allie, right? Allie? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike her. I thought she was okay. Um, I think she's got a lot of potential. Yep. I, I think she's got a lot of pe- potential to cause some trouble coming up. <laughs> you know? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just too many dildo jokes, you think? Maybe so that's that. Yeah, Gwen says, yeah, maybe too many, too many of those. <laughs> um... Maybe. <laughs> but it's supposed to be like a man cave and boobs and dildos and whatnot. <laughs> it's just par for the characters that you were portraying at the time. But I see potential. I, I had the idea in my head. I thought these would be funny. I thought people would just get a kick out of them. People are just not as amused. So <laughs> well, back to these characters. Again, I think I think the man cave might have to stay. Yeah, <laughs> so the Garrick might okay. man cave <laughs> the definitely. Man. <laughs> yeah, the man hole, man bunker. Everybody loves a good man cave. <laughs> no, we're still not turning the spare bedroom into a man cave. Get over it. <laughs> My brother did that. He turned his whole basement into a man cave. My brother Paul, as a matter of fact, yep, turned his whole basement into a man cave. So, Paul, if you're listening, yes, we are talking about you and calling you out on international podcasting. So, <laughs> keep her in. Are you happy with her? Are you happy with your last book? I'm pretty happy with it. I, you know, I was I was hoping more people would think that, you know, would like my jokes. Um, it took me a while to put, for a while, um, I was a little skittish about putting too much comedy in my books because I honestly didn't think I was very funny. And I didn't, you know, didn't have that kind of confidence and rushed. I mean, Gwen encouraged me to put more comedy in it. And, and it worked, and it did great. And I guess I just went a little too far on this last one. So, <laughs> I mean, I still like it, but we'll see, we'll see what the future is. If you're happy with it, keep going. You're getting fantastic reviews. So, you know, I enjoyed the book immensely. I really did. I enjoyed the book immensely. Of course, I am, I am still dealing with the previous book, so <laughs> what do I know? I really, really, really want to talk about that ending, and I really, really, really can't uh, without throwing throwing the, the whole, actually, a good chunk of the series into the it, it, into the fissure here. <laughs> so, what's a typical day? What, what do you normally you get up? Do you have a routine? Do you have a superstition? No, wouldn't call it superstition. I, I just get up. Um, usually, I gotta get up, get. Everybody ready for bed or bed ready for school. I gotta get everybody ready for school. I get, you know, Gwen's usually at work early, and uh, I just get everybody settled. I try to get me some 
something small for breakfast, and then I just try to get to work, and then try to work as long as I can. And whether that's actually writing or rereading or notes taking or plot develop any whatever it takes, whatever whatever it is needs done, I just try to keep doing it until everybody starts to get done with everything, and I can't concentrate anymore. I guess. Yeah. So. You're independent, which means you don't have uh, one of those big fancy publishers. You do it all yourself, correct? Right. Yes. So do you do your own editing? Do you read, go back and reread and say, now I want to change that? Or do you like hand it to Gwen and say, hey, Gwen, can you read this over and tell me what you think? I, I do most of my own editing, um, but Gwen is the first one who sees them. And she's, she's really good about finding my plot holes. And major issues, and she'll be the one that tells me that this this is bad. Don't write this. So, <laughs> I mean, she approved the dildo jokes. So I'm just going to say that. Right now. Well, <laughs> yep, it's it's a shared responsibility, isn't it? <laughs> You're a team. It's it a shared responsibility. Plaintiff. See, you you could you could actually push it all off on her if she's your editor, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was oh, no. book delirious. I'm book delirious. I can't see my own mistakes in my books. I've looked at it too long, and she thought it was fine. Oh, no. So you <laughs> will fight to keep things in. So I do not have in anything. <laughs> hey, hey, Gwen, have you ever tried um, writing also, or is that strictly a Brian thing? It's pretty much a Brian thing. I'm not much of a writer. I just. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a big reader, so that's not surprising, I'm sure. But I like to read a lot. Yeah, I'm like that. I like to read a lot. I read like anything. I'll I'm I'll sit here and you know read a sticker on the computer. I just I can't help it. So <laughs> you keep putting those books out because I want to keep reading stuff that I like. Um, did you always want to write? I mean, I know you wrote Temple of the Blind, the first book. 20 years ago, you said, and you didn't publish it until 10 years ago. But did you always write? Like, were you one of those kids that, well, everybody else was running around at recess, you were sitting there writing a story? Uh, not not quite. I mean, I think I I always talk about, there's not many things I can remember from being real young, but I, for some reason, I've always retained this memory of riding my bike outside and just going, you know, riding it around and around the house. And I just remember thinking for some re- reason about, you know, I wonder what I'm what I going to do when I grow up. What am I going to be when I grow up? And I just remember thinking to myself, for some random reason, I'll tell you one thing. I'll never be one of those people that writes books. Because, <laughs> God, he met it there and fell all those pages in a book. But yet at the same time, it, was, it wasn't much long after that that I, you know, I would write little stories or I would, you know, and I never really thought anything about it. And I think it was about middle school. I really started writing st- short stories and and getting serious about it. And right, wasn't until after I graduated high school that I really just realized this is really what I want to do. You know, this I, I this is what I'd really like to be. You said earlier, Brian, that you always were a dreamer. You always had a big imagination, um, and kind of where you came up with that other world, that other dimension. Like, what age were you when you? conceptualize that um i couldn't say it's always i've always done that i think okay uh, one of the things about me is i i've always had trouble getting to sleep at night so i would lay down and just imagine stories or 
fixer adventures. Yeah. Okay. And I'd say that I've always kind of done that and just whatever the idea is. And I think the world that it is now just sort of evolved from whatever I came up with, whatever much simpler <laughs> versions of it, I'm sure I imagined when right. I was real little. But Right. It got more complex with age and experience. Sure. It matured like fine wine. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it just evolved. That's neat. I like that. You wrote Temple of the Blind. You looked at it. And this is the thing I think is important for people who want to write moving forward, right? You wrote it, you put it away, and you didn't touch it for 10 years. Why? I mean, what what was going through your mind when you finished this book that you, you put it away and decided that it, it you didn't want to publish it right, th- right then and there? Was it that you just didn't have an outlet at that time that, that you could access to, to release it through? I, I think it probably was, because when I first did it, finished it, I really did. I wanted to publish it. Uh, even before that, I had, with the short stories, I had actually published three short stories in two different magazines, online, not, not, not online magazines, but I found them online, but they were print magazines. And uh, I was starting to get where I would contact a new magazine and say, you know, I wrote this for this other, I'm looking for a short story looking to have this and they, and I got to that point where people were like, Oh, I read that. Yes, that was good. Yeah, we're open to sub- submissions or we're closed until, you know, but in in about three or four months we're gonna be open to submissions again. We'd love to see it. And it just got to that level and all of a sudden all of those magazines they closed shop. Yeah. The world changed. And then after that I couldn't find anywhere and I, I had done so much reading and so you know picking up you know, articles and stuff on publishing, and they all had the same tone. The ones that were really, you know, how to get published, so many of them had the same message, and that was, don't get your hopes up. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't think too big. Here's, here's the best case scenario that you're going to get. You're going to, you know, you're find someone who wants to publish you, but they're not going to like this. You're going to have to change that. You're not going to have any say in the cover. You're probably not going to make anything. You'll probably be on the bookshelves for six weeks, and they'll take you down to make room for the next unless you sell huge, which is so unlikely. I mean, it was just so much negativity. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, they're like, and you got to make sure the person you're selling it to is, you know, it, that it's legitimate. You, so many people out there will take advantage of you. You don't want to go to the wrong publisher. And I didn't know who the wrong publisher was and who the right publisher was. And it was also complex that I just, eventually I just stopped trying. I just, I just put it away. I was like, I, I don't know how to do this. I can sympathize with that. Uh, I'm a musician, and uh, I have purchased several different editions of the the Songwriters Handbook, Almanac, whatever book, and it's supposed to have all the current A&R people from all the big labels, and here's the contact information, here's how you get your music heard, and all that stuff. And it was exactly what you just described. It was so much negativity, so much gray area. Um it was just a big Debbie Downer. It was just like, wow, why do I even bother to pour my heart into creating this stuff if this is what it's going to be, you know? So in those 10 years, did it ever leave your mind? No, I always held on to it because I really felt like it was a good story. I I felt like it was good. It was uh, it was what I wanted it to be. And, and so I just kept it there. And of all the other stuff that I had, so many you know, partials and rough drafts that I've just kind of tossed out because, you know, it wasn't good. That was me learning to write still, you know. But this one just, it always felt like this one's actually done. Awesome. 
And Gwen, you were you were instrumental in getting him to pull it out of the mothballs, dust it off, and self-publish. I I guess I mean I just I don't know. Sometimes I just have random ideas, and apparently this is a good one this time, <laughs> where I I encouraged him to you know do something on the web, like either like look for publishers or look at least start a website and and see what happens and what you can do from there so that, you know, you have a more creative outlet to share. Yeah, I think you told me, you, you suggested I, if I'm not going to publish the if I remember you told me if I wasn't going to publish the book, then put it up online and let people read it, I think is what you said. And that was, it was while looking up what, how to start my own website that I discovered Smashwords and independent publishing. Was it a hard process? First of all, um, Gwen, thank you. I appreciate that you. I was just going like to say thank you both. I'm really glad you did, and you went through that exercise because um, we greatly enjoy your stories. So I think I think because of that, she should get I don't know a bracelet or a ring or <laughs> you know at least some flowers or something. <laughs> Like on a regular basis. Every time you publish a book, she should get some flowers. Good idea. <laughs> Remember that. And some jewelry. <laughs> flowers and jewelry every time you publish a book. There we go. <laughs> was it a, was it a hard process to go through? It was not, actually. I mean, um some people have said that had issues with it, but for me it was it was amazingly easy. I mean, if you start at Smashwords, they have resources on there that just take you step by step through the process. The only real hang-up is if your document, your manuscript document, is formatting issues all, and then it, it can kind of get mangled up in the editor. But if you really follow the steps, I mean, I found it really easy. And then once I got it up on Smashwords, the format works everywhere. Is it a browser-based editor that you have to submit it through? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that being a problem or, or a complication. I'm just so thrilled that you stumbled upon this and that you got it all set up and everything else. Um, your books are fantastic. I, I know I sound like a crazed fangirl at the moment. <laughs> well, we both kind of are. I mean, we really but we, both we kinda, greatly We kind of are fan, fangirl. I'm a fangirl. He's a fangirl adjacent, I guess. <laughs> fanboy? Do they, do they use the term fanboy? They do, know. but it's usually not in this context. No. <laughs> 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 Gwen's like, what did we get into? Who are these lunatics? All right, bring out the dildo jokes. <laughs> no, let's not bring out the dildo jokes. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that'll do with our rating at this point. <laughs> you guys are you guys are fantastic. Uh, Brian, you want to tell our listeners about your website and how they can how they can stalk. I mean, find you on the web and <laughs> get your books and. Uh, just recently updated my website, uh, brand new. It's brianharmanbooks.com, and it has uh, the books page there actually has a, a sample from each book, and it's got links, most of the main links uh, for paperback and um, Kindle, and in some cases the audiobooks for the major markets, um, U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia, whatever, where, where I see a significant amount of sales or have seen. I'm building the website myself, so it's just kind of a bio page and a contact page, and, and working on it. Hey, your web page is pretty neat. BrianHarmanBooks.com, listeners, you want to check it out. It's actually a really neat website. Thank you. With links to both his Facebook and his Twitter. That's awesome that you have the widgets on there. I love that. 
that, those were they were tricky, but I got them working. <laughs> 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 it's hard to it's hard to make them line up right. It was. I'm still you, learning how to do this. I just it's it's my pandemic project has been going on <laughs> taking online classes, learning how to design a website. So I, I might have to hire you it's to put all, some widgets on ours. So. <laughs> Because I can't figure that out. To me, this is this is magic right here. Okay, I'm looking at magic. the The Facebook widget and the Twitter widget. That's that's dark arts. That's what that is. <laughs> it sort of felt like it when I was doing it too. It was. It took some doing. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure I could do it again. <laughs> <laughs> now, listeners, in case you're wondering, independent books, uh, independent uh, book author. You know, he's got. He's building his own website. You need to go check out his books, okay? He is the real deal. Rush, the first book in the series alone, has over 5,000 reviews. And they're all positive. They're all fantastic reviews. I mean, this guy's the real deal. You need to check him out. We will have links to the Amazon page. We will have links to his Facebook page. We will have links to his webpage. If, if he would like us to, we will also have links to his Twitter in the show notes. I, I can't stress enough. His books are, are fantastic. And if you read them out of order, that's okay. Because most of them are standalone. Yeah, they are. Mo- most of the rushed books are standalone. Uh, and none of them disappoint. I think Hedge Lake is my favorite one, though. I'm not there yet. <laughs> How could you not be there? That's I got my four. new glasses. It's I'm book gonna... four. <laughs> it's got a, it features a cat. You can't go wrong when you feature a cat in your story. Well, that's true. Love cats. I want to thank you guys for coming on. You you are absolutely awesome. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) You all have a great afternoon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, if you like what you hear, and how could you not? We are freaking adorable. Check us out as Crazy Cat Paranormal on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. The links will be in the show notes.